Well, last week, uh, Marty confessed to you her love for Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks, who's going to be playing Mr. Rogers in the upcoming movie, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which comes out this Friday. You can buy tickets right now on your app. I'm not getting paid to say that, but you should go see the movie. And I was a little jealous, and then I realized, well, I too love Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks. And last week, while preparing for this sermon, I read an article for the New York Times. It was interviewing Tom Hanks about his role as Mr. Rogers and really just about him as a person. The author, Taffy Broadiser Ackner, spent a couple days with Hanks, two different visits separated by a couple months, and wrote her article that appeared last week called, This Tom Hanks Story Will Help You Feel Less Bad. Never has a story been better named. I dare you to read it and not smile. A great way to spend a Sunday afternoon with that story. She begins by recounting several legends of Hanks that are apparently true. These stories that have gone around while he was filming angels and demons in Rome. A bride was blocked from entering the church on her wedding day. The production crew was everywhere and he stopped production when he heard of it, personally escorted her and her father into the church. There's a picture of him on one arm and the bride's father on the other going into the church. Or that time he came across a Girl Scout who was selling cookies, bought a big pile of cookies for himself, gave her an extra $20 and then decided to stand by the Girl Scout stand and offer selfies to anyone who purchased a box. There's a lot more stories, all equally nauseatingly charming. Which led Taffy to wonder, was Tom simply playing himself in Mr. Rogers? His publicist called a few times and every time would tell her, insist that he is indeed acting, that he's not just playing Tom Hanks in a cardigan. And yet, Hanks is. A good guy. These stories are true. It's not just shtick. It's him. And he was casted as Mr. Rogers, people say, because, yeah, with the right cardigan and haircut and lighting, he does sort of resemble that public television saint. In appearance, yes. But also in character. They said that Hanks is believable as Mr. Rogers because, well, he's good like Mr. Rogers. And no other actor could probably pull it off. We believe it when we see it, which led Tabby to realize that this article that she's writing about Hanks is going to be, well, kind of boring. Good is kind of boring. She was going to uncover some secret, hidden secret or flaw that the public did not know about. It was going to be a story about Hanks being as boringly good as we know and love him to be. Now, the new movie was inspired by a 1998 Esquire article about Mr. Rogers entitled, Can You Say dot 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 hero? The article was written by Tom Junid, a character based on Tom is the lead character in the new movie. And his life was forever changed by his interview with Mr. Rogers. They became friends. Mr. Rogers prayed for him and his family every day. And Taffy kind of wondered, well, would her interview with Hanks be as life-changing? And maybe it wasn't, and yet still in places as she describes her experience with Hanks, you begin to sense how she is being transformed. She becomes the center of her own story about Tom Hanks. During their conversation, they end up on the subject of parenting, and Taffy shares how hard it is to be a parent. 
how she gets how children, when they get older, begin to resent their parents because we spend so much time with good intention, nagging our kids towards goodness, telling them no, correcting them. Eventually it must wear on them and they tire of us, she says. And Hanks looks at her and says, well, somewhere along the line, I figured out I, the only thing really I think eventually all a parent can do is just say, I love you. There's nothing you can do wrong. You cannot hurt my feelings. I hope you will forgive me on occasion. And what do you need me to do? He says, you offer that up to them. I will do anything I possibly can do in order to keep you safe. And that's it. Offer that up to them and then just love them. And Taffy says he looked at me for my next question when he saw my face and he said, "Okay, go ahead. I'm right here for you, Taffy. It's good to cry. It's good to talk. That's Tom Hanks. So consistently, boringly good. She ends her biography of Hanks in this way, that he is the platonic ideal of a man, a projection of what we wish we were or a more worrisome theory of what we actually are. And well, she asked, have you read the other pages of this newspaper? She continues, I'm too old for Mr. Rogers. My children are too old for Mr. Rogers, too. So instead, I showed them Splash, then Forrest Gump, Big, a league of their own. I showed them that thing you do in parts of Castaway. I told them about the man who heard that his interviewer wasn't feeling well and adjusted his schedule for me. I told them that it doesn't matter why you do nice things. All that matters is that you do them. And one day... One day something changed. I had just finished watching Toy Story 4 and suddenly all my algorithms were recommending open-hearted movies with heroes and good values. I realized that I had begun to feel a little better and she had spoken earlier about how just the weight of all the news and the world and the newspapers were weighing on her. She said my heart was never a spike. It was always an umbrella. But sometimes the umbrella would invert against a storm. That day with Hanks, I recalibrated. And suddenly my umbrella was upright, once again able to shield me from the weather. It was enough. It was more than enough. This, she ends, is an accurate reflection of the time Tom Hanks spent with a journalist. Now the article moved me. Read it and try not to smile. It will make you feel less bad because let's face it, it is hard to recalibrate sometimes. Our world's so filled with bad news and worse news. The pain we carry weighs us down. We need feel-good stories, heroes, which is why Mr. Rogers is so popular over 16 years after his death. I didn't read this New York Times article for sermon fodder. I just read it because I like Tom Hanks. But when I read it, I knew that's the sermon for this week. Now, we've been spending the last couple weeks talking about the church, and the church is nowhere mentioned in this article. And yet when I read it, I thought that's church. We've been talking about who we are, what is our purpose. Last week, we had our annual congregational meeting, and you approved your budget for this year. And they increased because of your generosity and giving that we can do more for our ministry here. We, improved, we approved a new slate, not improved, but approved a new slate of board members uh, for this week, though there might be a few improvements along the way. 
It's all right, Rick. We, we, we do love you. You've been a great board chair. But so many people have stepped up to say, I want to not just attend church, but be a leader in my church. We are the fellowship of God, as the writer of 1 John calls us. And in your bulletin today, there is that commitment card. On one side, there's a chance for you to reflect on your financial commitment. And this is something that we don't do well around here. We don't plan the budget based on you filling out a card because we'd have like, I don't know, two, three hundred dollar budget. Maybe uh, we don't like filling out cards. But we know that you give consistently. But I challenge you, if you need that discipline to look at it and think about what do I want to contribute this year? And maybe even more than that, on the back, there's a chance for you to think about the ways that you can serve your church, to prayerfully think of the ways that you could step up, that you might want to get more involved, maybe create something new or join with something that's going on. I heard some uh, bell ringers trying to uh, recruit some people listening, even this morning, uh, to join the bell choir. If you want to fill out a card uh, today, you can bring it to the Lord's table uh, as, as we approach for communion later, and there'll be a basket you can place it in. You can take it home, uh, pray on it, dwell on it, bring it a future Sunday. But I challenge you to do that, to ask yourself, how do you want to grow this next year in your gifts, in your talents? How do you want to serve God's mission? It's not about guilt, but challenging us to become better. Our scripture this morning speaks of a faith in God that conquers the world. Now, this passage is the culmination of the entire letter of 1 John, which says over and over again, so annoyingly so, that the point of the Christian life is to love one another. The author says it a dozen or more times in each chapter, in, flips the way he says it, but keeps saying the same thing, love one another. If you don't love other people, if you say you love God, but you don't love other people, you're a liar, he says. Love one another. It's that simple. And what happens when the people of God go out into the world showing God's love? The apostle tells us that they conquer the world. Now, it sounds dramatic, intense, conquering the world. And sometimes we hear such language and think, well, I'm not a conqueror. I'm not a dramatic speaker. I don't have a lot of courage, I don't think. I don't have a lot of money to be as generous as I would like to be. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm conflicted. I'm not good enough or or, or strong enough to conquer the world. I wish I could, but who are we kidding? Yet I have news for you today. The love that conquers the world is as boringly simple As Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks, it's as boringly simple as helping a Girl Scout sell cookies. It's as boringly simple as giving someone who's going through a hard time a call or a card. As boringly simple as offering a smile, a gift, a baked good, or knitting a prayer shawl, or writing a letter to an inmate, or making a meal for a family in grief. Working with kids Sunday school class, that's not always boring or simple. Volunteering for youth group, so many boringly simple acts, giving to uh, families in need during Christmas, setting up a meeting with school officials to help a woman caught in a difficult space. It's like the many stories I've heard the last few weeks about Doc Ron from many of you, ways that he just showed love when there was opportunity, generosity when you were down. It's living your life for someone Other than yourself, messing up, yes. Not being perfect, of course. 
but doing your best, saying to others, I love you. There's nothing you could do wrong. You cannot hurt my feelings. I hope you will forgive me on occasion. What do you need me to do? It's boringly simple, but this is church. This is who we are called to be because we believe that all are loved by God. And we believe that no matter your, your beliefs, your political party, whatever you bring to the table, you're a child of God. And we can learn from each other, grow together, serve together, that we believe that we can become better people, that our past choices don't determine our future. We believe that the way of love and peace, not manipulation, intimidation, or cynicism is the way that changes the world. We believe that everyone deserves a second, third, fourth, as many chances as you need. We believe that no one should suffer alone. We believe that everyone deserves justice and hope. And we believe that love is indeed more than enough for all of us. And we believe that we are sent with that very news to conquer the world with love in a thousand boringly simple ways. To be sent from this place to offer hope, to turn people's umbrellas over so that they receive God's loving shelter in the storms of life. This is our calling. This is why we are church, why we've been saved, called and sent to share God's love with the world. In Sunday school this morning. Tim and Lori shared a song, Standing in the Breach by Jackson Brown. And I want to just read to you two stanzas of that song. And though the earth may tremble and cast our works aside, and though our efforts resemble the fluctuating tide, we rise and fall with trust and belief that love redeems us each and bends our backs and hearts together, standing in the breach. You don't know why it's such a far cry from the world this world could be. You don't know why, but you still try for the world you wish to see. You don't know how it will happen now after all that's come undone, but you know the change the world needs now is there in everyone, every one of us going out from this place, conquering the world with love. May it be so. Amen. As we prepare.